0: Welcome to Holistic Ambition, where we talk with visionary leaders who are redefining what it means to be ambitious. We cover ways you can live with more well being, meaning, and fun in your career, business, and relationships. I'm your host, Stephanie Toma, life coach for ambitious professionals and author of Confident Introvert. Today we have JJ Ruskas with us. He is a human optimization strategist and founder of Optimize Me. One day he made a promise to himself not to finish a single day without learning something new for at least 10 minutes. He started his career in the world of technology where he led several teams on several continents, guiding them to reach their highest performance. He has since immersed himself in topics such as productivity, neuroscience, psychology, optimal breathing, nutrition, cloud technologies, etc. And in itself, he became his own guinea pig with the goal of personal optimization. Thanks to that, JJ is currently a high performance and results coach for startup founders and C-level executives of important companies like LATAM and the US. Okay, so we're just gonna dive in here and I'd love for you to actually kick us off with a breathing technique. Let's say someone is on a walk right now listening to this watching this what is something how can someone kind of become more alert if they're feeling a little bit sluggish
1: no that's exactly what i need let's do it <laughs> yeah so let's sit up straight let's sit up straight we're going to do this thing that is called fire breathing and this is gonna is going to 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 be a little um, counterintuitive first which is we're not going to inhale or put effort in the inhale but we're going to put effort on the exhale. And we're going to focus on exhaling just through the nose. So, watch out with those buggers there, by the way. There may be some over there. <laughs> just say, just say. But look at me first. So, I'm going to also put up a place a hand here in my belly, especially in the diaphragm part, because that is what is going to pump the exhale. So, we're going to put effort on the exhale. It's going to look like this. Just, just a demo, just a demo. You and I are going to do it together step. So yeah, let's yeah. get ready. Okay. What we're going to do is, if you notice, I was pumping with my abdomen, and it's called bellows breathing as well. Think about something that is uh, just sending air upwards. And the inbound or the inhale is just a rebound. So we do it naturally. Let's do it. Yeah. We're starting in three, two, one. So this is Four, an exhale five, breathing Breathe through the nose. Let's go. One, two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten more, ten more. Thirty. Slow it down. Slow it down.
0: Slow down. Okay. So okay. That a nice demo. And I know what you mean. I hope everyone blew their nose before that. You know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things. It's very yeah, there's nothing like that sort of breath, breath of fire. Thank you for sharing that. For those who aren't familiar with that, I know that you walk through that in your classes and, and it goes a lot more in depth. Um, So, yeah. So, you know, and something else that's coming to mind, you know, there are so many different ways to optimize your breath. So can you share with us, uh, in addition to breath of fire, if there's anything else that maybe people don't really quite understand about the power of their breath? in general
1: yes and there is um there is i would say a lack of education around what an inhale versus an exhale does and inhale is in essence is a stimulation in this case we were forcing this the the inhale uh by by this rebound by the exhale the exhale step longer exhales are what relaxes us so at any moment you can use your breath like gears in a car so if you need to to breathe um, to stimulate, like do this kind of shorter breaths, or even this is another one, or the opposite, which be to relax is exhale slower, very 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 slow, and that is going to 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 relax also the body. Now a way to to detect if that's working or not is with your heartbeat. You place your hand on your on your heartbeat and you start doing exercises like this. You will notice how the heartbeat raises or relaxes
0: yeah and you know something that i'm recalling from one of your (laughs) workshops was around let's say that someone is snoring how does that tie in with breath let's say that someone either is a snorer and they're aware of that in their life or they are among a snorer and they would rather not be what can be done
1: Uh, yeah oh that's a that's a tough one and it's because snoring is in essence a it's a muscular situation or, or some inflammation that may be happening, but it not be only that it's annoying the sound. Okay. I'm not talking only about that, but it can be very complicated and it can lead to sleep apnea obstruction during sleep. And um, in those moments as when we are not allowing our body to fully recharge. So unaware of, of this situation when we're sleeping and we have those disruptions, probably that started as a snoring as a snore and then led up to sleep obstruction or, um, respiration obstruction. They, it's like when you're trying to fully recharge the body of your body, you unplug it again, it started trying to recharge you, unplug it, try to recharge you, unplug it. So you never fully recovered. And that is one of the situations that snoring becomes a good metric what do I mean by this? If you realize that you're snoring or that you, someone tells you that, or you can use apps that will tell you if you're snoring overnight or not, that could help you to apply, for example, different techniques to first uh, allow um, the, the, the airways to be more open or even to mouth tape. And I know that mouth tape for some people, it sounds crazy. You follow me, right? It sounds crazy, but... When we mouth tape the mouth, we force the nose to to open up, and by forcing the nose, it also helps our uh, arteries to open up, and therefore that's another way to have more oxygen flowing through the through the body. So it's counterintuitive if you think about it. It's like I cannot sleep from I cannot breathe through my nose. Like no, no, no. By doing that, you help your your nose to come functional again.
0: So people are less likely to snore if they put tape over their mouth.
1: Eventually, eventually. Oh, obviously, obviously, immediately <laughs> that is going to happen. But the, the after effect is that they're going to get more a uh, carbon dioxide buildup and they're more, better circulation. Now, one thing from a book that I recall is called You Can Sleep Well by Dr. Itzikowski. He has this theory that people that sing or that practice some kind of singing or humming that that creates um effort in in the throat muscles they never never snore. So what about singing to just strengthen the muscles?
0: That's a nice thought. Oh, my gosh, have the snoring person in your life or if you are the snoring person just start singing, flip the script. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, how can someone since we're kind of on the topic of sleep, how can someone use their breath to sleep better? Let's say, regardless of snoring status
1: mm-hmm. so, it's in order to sleep so sleep and, and breath are so intertwined it's not that when we go to sleep we stop breathing it doesn't happen like that i mean breathing is 24 hours right so we can cue our body or train our body to start getting into proper recovery during sleep for example this is called a sleep ritual right let's say that you go to sleep go, go to bed at 10 30 10.30 30 p.m. So what about by around 10 15, you start with a breathing protocol to down regulate you? Meaning, if you've been on during the entire day at 10 15, you, you sit down and you say, you know, I'm going to do this protocol, maybe triangle, meaning five seconds inhale, five seconds exhale, five seconds hold for three minutes. So by doing that, you're, you already started. Decreasing the stimuli from the nervous system and preparing you to have a better rest, right? And you don't even need to do that only at that time. That that would be beautiful, like pre-bed ritual. Mm -hmm. But when you're in bed as well, um, having something similar there that allows you to exhale longer, therefore you're telling your nervous system it's all good. It's all good by telling the nervous system through the breath longer breath exhales. You're preparing it to sleep better now at night what happens if for example during night boom you wake up insomnia oh my god right so what a, i was i was leading just a, a session this morning with people in europe and here in the us and, and, and we were talking about having pre and pre um pre insomnia protocols meaning it, when insomnia comes you have already a set of different breathing techniques for example one of them inhale Pull and then one more inhale and then exhale very, very slowly and gently. That for five times, that's called Physiological sigh by Andrew Huberman, right? Mm-hmm. Having some of that, that you know that when insomnia hits, boom, that's going to help you to relax again and allow you to sno- to sleep into the land of more fuse. So those are techniques to help us improve our sleep.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so we kind of just, we got started with a breathwork technique, but let's say that someone's listening and they're like, Hold on, what is breath work? How would you describe what breath work even is to someone that is not yet familiar with it or maybe they did it once but they weren't really sure what was going on? Um, and then I'd love to go into how it impacts our nervous systems and emotions.
1: So breath work is is the most ancient of the technologies, right? No no breathing, no life, no breathing, no life. Now uh, the moment that we are born, we start breathing optimally, nevertheless, after years and years of um, receiving stress in the body and not knowing how to deal with that we start getting into dysfunctional behaviors and in this case it's dysfunctional respiratory behaviors you name it for example you receive the stress and you you hold your breath and, and you stop breathing for a while right for many people that's that's what happens and it became so automatic that we don't even realize that we are doing that and that leads to, obviously, a dysfunction in breathing. So, breath work is, in essence, understanding the power that we have within our own breath to change and regulate states. Like I mentioned in the beginning, stimulation, relaxation, keeping you in balance, keeping fo- focused. So, why not using our the ultimate resource of a human, oxygen, to... To, imp- to improve continuously our performance and to be per- high per- highly performant under any circumstances or optimally performant, I should call it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about optimal performance, I'd love for you to also define that for listeners and those tuning in as it relates to, of course, you know, successes and, and productivities, but also since this is holistic ambition, also, uh, let's say, overall wellness and, um, and emotions.
1: hmm And answering part of the previous question around the nervous system, it goes tied up with optimal performance. So the majority of the people think that high performance is the hustle and be highly productive. But is it truly like that performance? You and I are right now co-regulating. We're performing.
0: okay? Okay,
1: We're performing for each other and for the audience. But it's not that we're performing, faking something. No, no, it's the way that we are constantly living. If you're sitting down by yourself trying to solve a problem, you're still, you're still um, performing by yourself. If you're in front of an audience, if, even if you're doing nothing, if you're, even you're taking a shower, you're still performing. Performance equals life, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so optimal performance means how to address a situation that and in ways that is optimal to enjoy that situation more. If you're under stress, how do you use your inner resources to deal with that stress, navigate it, and then come even better after that? Now, if you're in a relaxed state, how do you even perform better at that relaxed state? Meaning, how do you enjoy more? How do you surrender more? Okay. And in those and all of those situations, from high stress to zero stress, the main part is the nervous system. Our nervous system is sending information to the body through every single cell, right? it's it's just is the is the conduit of information or of inputs that comes from the outside and and internally equally. And a dysregulated nervous system leads to a dysregulated life, a dysregulated reality. That's when we have people over anxious or over worried, you name it, anxiety and worry are useful emotions are useful uh, emotions nevertheless when the nervous system is not properly regulated we cling into those emotions meaning them like we're exercising we're being, becoming very good uh, and be- uh, being anxious we're becoming very good think about it you're training it your nervous system your nervous system doesn't know what's good or bad and uh, it happens the way that we train in our our nervous system is mostly through emotions it's not through logic, it's through emotions. And like I mentioned in this case, if anxiety is something that we've been over and over and over again training, then the body knows very well, the nervous system knows very well how to execute that one. And once you ask it to go into happiness, it's like, no, that's a foreign a foreign emotion. I don't know that, that much. Right, what's that? That feels awkward when you're there. So I was talking about this the other day in a class that I was leading, and it was breath. The breath is the lubricant for emotions breath is a lubricant for emotions because when you're for example in one of my classes you have to breathe through the entire thing and you are going to feel lots of feelings and those feelings come t- to the surface of the body and sometimes those emotions come without even you understanding cognitively they're why they are coming and that's okay instead of suppressing those emotions we allow them to come. Now, obviously, if you have had a buildup of emotions that, that have not been processed, you're going to have equally a discharge. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. by becoming more and more attuned with your emotions, and the, once they build up, you let them go. Once they build up, they, you let them go. You start getting into what's called emotional fluidity. And you become very f- fluid with your emotions, allowing the positive and the negative ones to go through your system without taking too much of yourself.
0: Yeah. So kind of like riding an emotional wave, so to speak, not... It's interesting because it's like, I wonder, this is a nuance where let's say you're present with your emotions and you're feeling them while observing them without disassociation. How would you kind of approach if someone, let's say, is prone to either being so engulfed in emotion Or being totally detached, how does someone actually find that happy medium of experiencing the emotion and letting it process properly?
1: So this is where grounding comes comes to the the conversation. And this is mostly from somatic techniques. So grounding is grounding in your body. Think about this. And and let me give you an example from my own case step. Once I get triggered by an emotional, very charged emotional event, I, if it's with another person, let's, you and I are having this conversation and something triggered me. Yeah. I'm not saying that you triggered me. No, no, no. I'm saying something triggered me. So I tend to do this thing and I tend to turn my, and my head around and like close my eyes and like feel like, Oh my God, but I'm, disassociated, I'm dissociated from you. If you and I, for example, are having this conversation i still want to be focused on you so a way to do that still experience the sensation is coming back to eye contact allowing the system to go through and you can for example right now what i'm doing is i'm focusing my awareness on my the my, my right foot on the sole of my right foot you can do it anywhere any, any place that gets you back here because that emotion The emotion that we're experiencing lasts for about 45 seconds, 60 seconds at most. That's it. And what it's creating havoc in our system is not the the emotion itself. It's not the emotion. It is the resistance to the emotion. That's what we are. That's the reason that's getting created so much anxiety or you name it, right? And we feel like this is too much. No, no, no. If you would allow the emotion to come, the emotion that you don't want to to, to, to feel, many was like, whoo. Hey, that, was, that wasn't that bad. And then your, your system can think clearly once the emotion has gone through it.
0: Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to, let's say, having this attunement to emotion and, being in a position where you're working with executives who maybe they've spent so much of their lives sort of being like, okay, nose to the grindstone, got to get it done. Like, what are emotions? So I'm curious, actually, about what inspired you getting into this line of work. Was there some sort of, was there an experience that you had at a, at a breathwork class? Was there a mentor? Um, yeah, I'm curious about sort of that catalyst that let you know, huh, this is something worth pursuing.
1: It was pain, <laughs> emotional pain and the way that the majority of humans work including myself is that we seek out help once the pain is unbearable and in this case i remember many many years ago about 10 years ago probably um, i felt this I, I was in a relationship and, and i had a massive breakup I, it was terrible Terrible. I mean, for for the situation was not bad now that I think about it. It's like, eh, right? But at that time, it obliterated me. And my emotions, the emotions that I was resisting were so big that I couldn't even think clearly. And in the short, short bursts of clear thinking that I had, I was asking myself, what's happening? It's like, how come I go between Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, being guy and then boom, completely carried by the emotions, right? Or the Hulk, Bruce Banner and the Hulk, finally uh, that changed. I even have a blog post that I wrote about this in my, in my, my website now that I think about it. And in those moments of, Clarity, I decided starting diving without knowing what was going to lead me all of this into, right? And that's what I started getting into meditation and started getting into understanding somatic practices, how the body keeps the score, how the body somatizes ideas and so on and so forth. And, um, undeniably all of the, all of the, the techniques lead you to emotional states. And my theory is that this, the hardware, the body and the software, the mind, Cannot run without the energy, and the energy are the emotions. That's their lubricant. That's 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 the that's the fuel of the system. The emotions are fuel of the system. So that's that's what got me there. Still,
0: yeah. So I mean, it sounds like sometimes people just kind of they're dabbling. They're like, oh, this would be fun. Other times, like something happened, and it's almost like it sounds like maybe this was something that out of like a dire need. But this is something, you know, we've talked about this before, where someone could be going through something catastrophic, or, you know, there could be also a gentle introduction when things are fine, and and it's like more of a deepening. So I I know that, you know, you do classes all the time, some that are more immersive, that are longer duration. So I'm curious if someone, let's say, I mean, and, and even I'll share before I moved to Austin, I was doing breath work, maybe one or two times a year, it was kind of a big deal. And then when I moved to Austin, I was like, whoa, people are doing this like every day. And I I started doing it at least once a week. And I'm curious, you know, how much is too much breath work (laughs) or what, what, how do people find the optimal cadence for themselves when they begin the practice?
1: Hmm. This is what we call the pendulum. So we humans learn based on a pendulum. We start with a behavior and then we pendulate to the opposite of the behavior and then we find a middle so many people because of the idea of perfectionism or the idea of oh failure or whatever they are they're inhibiting themselves from growth so in this case let's put it very clear no no breathing equals death no breathing equals death so you don't want to go to that extreme now it depends when we're talking about bread work we're talking not only about the type of classes that i lead where they are super ventilation we're hyperventilating people okay bread work the word bread work has such a depth of different practices from the most relaxing ones the most intense ones you name it the ones that last for one sigh to the ones that last four hours hyperventilating and everything in between so as long as you are breathing every uh, the 24 hours, we're, we're good. But now, how do we breathe optimum? For example, having this let's start with the with the minimal dose. having mean five minutes of focus breathing. Okay, now, not even five minutes. Let's go with one minute of focus breathing per day. That's it so that you are controlling your inhale and exhale. That gets you into the present moment immediately. And if you like it, that's gonna become two. and if you like it, that's gonna become three. And that is more relaxing, right? Now, if you go to some of the sessions that I have, oh, that's going to be a workout for your for your nervous system. You're not going to let me lie on that stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know I've particularly in your classes, like seen various colors and, you know, it's, it's a whole experience. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like people just need to find out for themselves what the right cadence is, but you can't, it doesn't sound like you can do too much.
1: In this case, in this case, the other one, for example, the one that I where I put you under lots of stress, I would recommend. And people ask me this: How much is too much? So I would recommend: Hey, start coming once a week. If you feel, not think, if you feel that is helping you viscerally, and you want to do it one more time, okay, let's go twice a week. And eventually, also your nervous system adapts. Now, for some people, one week may be too much, so I suggest them to okay. Come every two weeks, and then you're going to find in this pendulum, what's your, your, your middle, what's, what's that it works for you. So it's an experimentation. It's an experimentation side.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what's the difference between someone, I mean, even based on studies, someone who does breath work regularly, let's say once a week or more versus someone who doesn't do it at all.
1: Clearly, the difference is the level of reactivity. The person that doesn't practice any kind of contemplative contemplative practice, not even only bread work, their level of reactivity is super high, super high, compared to the person who, it's not only bread work, even just slowing down. Like we were talking about this, Joe Dispenza, slow down, right? (laughs) Even taking a few minutes per day to get centered, has a massive impact and you will notice the person that is hectic erratic or even depressed compared to the other one
0: Mm, yeah so you know when it comes to so it sounds like there's this real tie-in with how people show up and then how that impacts one's relationship with themselves their relationship with others because hey when you're reactive are people loving that maybe not so and yourself are you loving that probably not also and you know, on this vein of human optimization, you know, there are certain fads that, that have been popular at certain points in time, like, you know, uh, coffee, bulletproof coffee with, you know, putting butter in there. So, I mean, you don't even need to speak to that specific one unless you have an opinion on it. But I'm curious if there are any other, um, I don't know, like either fads that you think are interesting to try or actually helpful or tried and true strategies for people.
1: Mm. Wow, they're making me think on this step okay. biohacking is equally as big as breadwork, work right because what do you want to biohack what are the main common human functions eating moving relating uh, thinking feeling sleeping and mostly breathing so in that hierarchy, let's say if we, and, and I, uh, was, I was sketching a diagram on this, actually, it is, uh, let's say that you invest two hours day total, two hours day eating. Let's say that you invest uh, total four hours mo- in movement, whether it's with a workout or moving, you know, in total time. Then you have, uh, let's say another four hours relating or five hours relating to other people. Then... You have at least five to six hours of sleep, at least.
0: Hopefully. Oh my gosh, eight, Hopefully. please. Nine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and definitely you have 24 hours breathing. So in that hierarchy, the re- I would suggest the listeners to think, okay, where do I want to put my my investment so that I have the, the best retro- ROI in my biohacking uh, experiments, regardless of what is the biohacking experiment, regardless of what it is. Because I can tell you, For me, it works this and this and this and this, but my nervous system, my physiology is not like yours. So the thing that works for me may not work for you. I can, I cannot force you to come up with a M size blue t-shirt. First, because probably you're not an M size. Secondly, secondly, because you hate blue, blue t-shirts and not because I am the guru of the, of the moment that you have to follow me. So in this case, being very attuned, like you said, with one's needs, we intuitively know what we want. I have clients, women clients, that they know based on their period when they crave iron, they cre- crave meat. And it's mm-hmm. because their body craves iron, right? So instead of, no, this is a diet and I'm sticking to the diet, is like, what if I would stick to the diet that my body needs right now?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so yeah. that experiment is
0: key. Yeah, I mean, you're introducing intuition to this piece where, you know, when I think of human optisa- optimization, there's almost something kind of hyper masculinized about that, you know, just kind of like, ah, oh, come on, let's go, let's optimize. But, you know, then also, it sounds like having the different tools like breathwork ultimately empower people to slow down and understand, wait, what actually feels right for me beyond being in your brain and checking off boxes uh, but then asking, like, "Huh, what actually? What is challenging versus what is actually out of alignment?" Hmm. So, yeah. yeah, do you have anything to to add uh, with that piece?
1: I love that you mentioned that how this this thing of optimization or performance has been, I would say, embedded or immersed into the hustle culture, right? And uh, for me, human optimization overall is an art, is an art that now we can combine the two things the objective data with the subjective experience. And the subjective experience comes from intuition. And for example, in my case, I have the aura ring here. I, it's one of my favorite gadgets. I've been using it, for, wearing it for years, for like four or five years. And the data tells you something every morning. And I have I have many clients that in the past they were so obsessed about the data. Oh, my score is so low. Uh, they self have, create this self profits like, oh, I'm tired, right? <laughs> but the data is gonna fail over time. The most important thing is being being attuned with one and to start playing games. So, for example, in the morning, I know that the last night for me was a little taxing, so I knew that okay i know that my body is in this range of score based on R, and i go uh, on the R, and i went and yeah it was around that broad range so instead of just forcing pushing it is becoming an athlete and an athlete when the athlete athlete feels that there is a chance that he or she may get injured he still works out but in a different way in a smart way and when the nervous system when the body is relaxed boom it goes all in so you are full in and full recovery, full in and full recovery, instead of just having, like you said, those checkboxes checked and I'm going to hustle my way through, I would say burnout. They don't realize that, right? Well, hustle my way through this? Well, that leads you to burnout quickly.
0: Yeah. So even, I think this is a very natural next question. Uh, how do you define ambition?
1: Hmm. I like the word ambition because in Spanish it's different. In Spanish it has a negative connotation. Mm. In English there's a difference between greedy and ambitious person. And I like it so much. I like it so much, Steph, because that allowed me to actually pair up and answer in your question. Ambitious, An ambitious person is someone who is willing to continuously grow. Continuously grow and also the flip side of growing is serving. Because if it's only growth for ourselves, for for my pleasure, only for me, 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 it's equally damaging. The point of growing, at least from my perspective, is growing so I can serve more. So an ambitious person is, for me, someone who wants to grow him or herself every day and serve equally.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so potent. I love that you bring up that because, you know, there's a lot of talk in the personal growth space about it's okay to be selfish or, you know, so, and then some people are like, oh, like be a servant. And this is a happy medium where you are quite literally figuratively (laughs) filling up your own cup so that you have more to give, right? So it's, what can you control? What do you have ownership over yourself? So, you know, I I love how you're kind of tying that together for us here. And what does holistic ambition mean to you?
1: Oh, in this case is growing in every single aspect of the human condition. We talked about some of the things like that makes us human. There is not a manual for being a human, literally. Every one of us needs to, to, to write our own manual. Nevertheless, once we start writing the manual, we start realizing, that, hey, I can grow in this area and in this area and this area. Let's say improving sleep, improving breathing, improving, um, you name it, productivity. But at the same time, improving our connection with another person so the wholeness in this case is not only whole holy me or only me in this case is how do I grow so that I can make the rest of the environment grow as well huh? so I can support that growth so for me that is more holistic ambition
0: beautiful and how can people that are tuning in today how can they stay connected with you
1: oh <laughs> that is the easiest one let's go into to JJ Rescas, that is J-J-R-U-E-S-C-A-S dot com, and you're going to find the website, the podcast, the events, the workshops, and with that same name in all the social media. So, that's the easiest one.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Holistic Ambition. This is Stephanie Toma saying goodbye for now and inviting you to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.